Well, good morning, Journey. Do you ever hear those announcements that come out for the speakers, uh, loudspeakers at times? It might be loud and booming. They grab your attention. For example, you might, might be in a store and all of a sudden you hear, attention shoppers, and you like stop and take notice thinking something's going to happen here in the store. Or, you know, maybe you're, you're at your uh, favorite sporting event and you hear, and now for your Wildcast starting lineup, a six foot two senior from Wahoo, Nebraska, and the crowd goes crazy, you know, announcing the starting players. Or my favorite as a kid growing up started like this, Sunday, 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 you know, monster trucks at Tyson Center Arena, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. I've never been to a monster truck show in my life, but whenever they said that, I thought, man, I got to be there. I want to go. And these announcements like that, they sound important, don't they? They're meant to get you to sit up and take notice and grab your attention or run and buy tickets for the latest monster truck show but they're not life-changing announcements. E- even here in our worship services, you know, we, we get to the end of our service and, and I stand up and I say something like, you know, just a few announcements before we go and I see just the glaze go over your eyes. And you kind of, you check out and you start thinking, man, where are we going for lunch, you know? What are we doing this afternoon? And, you know, and I'm up here going, yes, God's doing great things. Here's what's happening in our, going on in our church. And, you know, and I get the deer in the headlight looks. Well, this morning, we begin a series of messages that lead up to Christmas that are going to focus on some announcements of a completely different kind life-changing messages that come not through loudspeakers or a PA system, but through God's messengers, angels. So we're calling this series, Hark, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and, and we're, each week we're going to highlight some of the messages that these angels bring to humanity that lead up to the birth of Jesus. And we're going to focus from these messages from Luke's Gospel And if you remember, Luke is the third book in our New Testament, Matthew, Mark, then Luke. And Luke wrote his gospel around the year 62 AD, and he did so for one reason. He wanted to show all people, both the nation of Israel and everybody else, that the gospel, that the Messiah is for all people. It wasn't just a Jewish thing, it wasn't just an Israel thing, but it was for everybody. So Luke writes because he wants to show that Jesus is the promised one of God that all the Old Testament prophets looked forward to, that they spoke about, that they would preach about. And he would write and say that Jesus fulfills all of those prophecies, that Jesus is the one that they all point to. So this morning, if you have your Bibles with you or your app, open up to Luke chapter 1. And, and we're going to see the story unfold through this first angel's messenger, messenger, through God's minister, this messenger of Gabriel, and ultimately point us to God's mercy. So we begin in chapter 1 of Luke as we, as we are introduced to God's minister. Beginning in verse 5 of Luke 1, it says, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Now both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. 
Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time came for the burning of incense came, he, all the assembled worshipers were outside, were praying outside. So who, who is this Zechariah and Elizabeth? Well, the text gives us a little background. It tells us that all this takes place during the time of King Herod. So that had been way before Jesus was born. Herod ruled about 37 to 34 B.C. And it was really just kind of a puppet king for the nation of Rome. Rome was occupying Israel at, at that time. They were the occupying army. So this foreign power ruled everything, and they just put Herod in there in place as a puppet leader. And at this point in history, God had not spoken through a prophet for hundreds of years. Well, all that's about to change. This early verses in Luke 1, they also tell us about the character of Elizabeth and Zechariah tells us that they are descendants of Aaron and Aaron was the priestly line of in Israel so if if you were from that line if you're a descendant of Aaron that means your job was to be a priest and it goes on to even say that they didn't just have the title of priest but they were righteous in the sight of God they were, they were faithful even into their old age. They had more than the title. They had moral integrity. But it also tells us about the challenge they faced. And, and we're meant to grasp the sadness of, of what's going on in this section of Scripture because they were righteous, but they were also childless. And in that day and age, in that era, that was a big deal. And in their minds, they're probably thinking, man, we have been faithful to God. We've been following his decrees. We've been doing all that we're supposed to do, but he has not blessed us with children. And Elizabeth herself would have felt broken. She would have felt like the one to blame. And the comments towards her probably began in their early years of marriage, like, hey, when are you going to have children? And then little later, they would have shifted to, oh, we are praying for you. And now, at this stage in her life, they've gone to whispers about her with finger pointing, saying, oh, she can't have children. Elizabeth would have felt that stigma. She would have felt the shame. Well, Zechariah, as a, as a priest, he was actually there carrying out his priestly duties. The way it was set up back in the days of King David, he divided all the priests in Israel up into divisions. And each division would serve in the temple twice a year. So now Zechariah's division's on duty. Uh, they're doing their thing. And Zechariah gets this incredible honor of being chosen by lot to go into the temple of the Lord. The way the temple structure was set up, there, there was this outer fence, outer wall that separated the non-Jewish people from the Jewish people. If you were a Jew, you could enter into the courtyard. But only a priest could go into the building itself, into the temple. And Zechariah had this incredible privilege to be the one that would go into what was called the holy place. And even beyond that, there, it was the holy of holy place, where the ark of the covenant was at. 
So to be chosen was literally a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Once you had that privilege to do it, you could never be selected again. And they would go into the holy place, burn incense, and offer that up as prayers to God for the people of Israel. So we're meant to grasp what's going on here. The honor of burning incense, but not the honor of children. You know, do you ever find yourself asking the question, why did this happen to me? You know, what, why is God punishing me? Or how come God has put me in this situation? You know, we think to ourselves, I'm doing my best to be a Christian. I'm doing my best. You know, I, I'm trying to read my Bible. I'm, I'm praying. But you know what? It just, we end up facing disappointment like Zechariah. And the disappointments that we face in life can either do two things. They can leave us bitter or leave us better. Now being righteous before God's eyes does not mean a challenge-free life. It doesn't mean exemption from heartaches or that everything is going to go great. You know, it doesn't mean that every prayer is going to be answered with a yes, that every desire is going to be given. It didn't for Zechariah and it doesn't for us today. I mean, we can study the scriptures like a Pharisee, we can pray like a monk, we can serve with passion and still face disappointments. You know, but what I love about Zechariah, what I love about him is he just kept on keeping on. God had called him to be a priest. So in the midst of his disappointment, he was fulfilling his duty as a priest. He was still praying. He was still going through their, their worship services doing what God called him to do in the face of disappointment and in the face of social and cultural shame and setback because they didn't have kids. You know, that makes me think, you know, where, where have your disappointments left you in life? Have they left you bitter or better? Have they led you away from God or have they caused you to lean into him? Have your prayers that you've prayed with no responses given, have they left you unresponsive to God completely? Well, like Zechariah, man, stand firm, stay put in your faith, and just keep on keeping on. Because now the story takes a really interesting twist in Luke chapter 1. In verse 11, remember, Zechariah is in the midst of praying. He's in the holy place. And then it says, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. And he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. 
And Zechariah's response, he says, he asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. That's just a nice way to put it. And then the angel responds to Zechariah, says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you to tell you this good news. And now you, you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. So here's God's minister, and he encounters God's messenger. Now, picture what's going on here. He's serving inside the temple, like I said. He's in the heart of it. There's a sacred ambiance about the place. The incense is burn, burning. The aroma is going up before the Lord to symbolize the, that not only is Zechariah praying, but all of the people out, outside are praying. This is the grandest day of, the li- of his life. And as priest, Zechariah would literally be praying for the redemption of the people. Be praying that, that they would be set free from the occupying army of Rome, that, that their nation would be restored. And, and in the midst of that prayer, an angel shows up. And God speaks through Gabriel, his messenger. And what does he tell Zechariah? He says, don't be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. It's prayer for a son. Now, Zechariah was probably thinking, well, God has long forgot that prayer. But when the time was right, God says, I heard your prayer. And God is so interested in answering this prayer that he actually tells Zechariah what to name the child, that you are to name him John. And he goes on to say that John, he's going to be a joy and delight to you, and many are, are going to rejoice in the birth of him. Now, if you stopped right there, that'd be like what any parent could ask for, that there's going to be no fear in life, we're going to have a child, it's going to be a son, and that, and that son's going to bring joy and, lo- and delight to our lives. There's going to be rejoicing at the birth. But then the angel goes on and takes it even a step further. And he tells a little bit about John. He says, well, he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he was born. In other words, God has special regard for this child. He's going to be a mighty man of God. This isn't your normal run-of-the-mill infant newborn in Huggies. God has something different in plan for this baby boy. And then he says, this, this boy that you're going to have, he's going to bring back many people, the people of Israel, to the Lord their God. God is going to use Zechariah's son, really, to ignite a revival in Israel. And John's ministry is going to impact the hearts of the people and would revolutionize how they live their life. And then he goes on to say that John your son, he's going to go before the Lord, which is a way to say he's going to come chronologically right before the Messiah. And he's going to live his life in the spirit and power of Elijah. Now, Zechariah would, would have known exactly what this angel was talking about when they mentioned in the spirit and power of Elijah. Because every Old Testament prophet knew, knew that there would be another Elijah coming, and this other Elijah would be the one that would usher in not just the, not just the um, 
upcoming birth of, of the Messiah, but of God himself. Now, Zechariah is probably thinking, I just wanted a baby. You know, I would have been glad with any son. But now he's saying this mission of your child is to turn people's hearts back to God, and he's going to usher in God himself for the people of Israel. Now, remember, this is the first time that God has literally spoken in 400 years. There's this period between the Old Testament and the New Testament that the scholars call the silent years, the 400 silent years. Because God closed out his Old Testament covenant with the prophet Malachi, and not until now Gabriel does God speak. And when God speaks, he picks up exactly where he left off 400 years previously. So listen to the last two sentences of the last Old Testament book, the last chapter of the prophet Malachi. chapter 4, verse 5. He says, See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. See, God made promises in the Old Testament. And and one of those promises was a new prophet in the line of Elijah would come to prepare people. And Gabriel is now saying that time has come, that prophet is here, and, and the Messiah is about to enter into the world, and to get people ready, I'm going to send John, who we later known as John the Baptist. And Zechariah, probably like anybody, he's like, well, how can I be sure? You know, how do I know? I'm old and my wife, and well, she's well beyond her years. Now, remember, Zechariah, he's a priest, so he's not an atheist. As a priest, he would have known scriptures. He would have known these Old Testament prophecies about the coming of, of the Messiah. He was a man noted for his piety and his faith and the righteousness. He's literally praying in the temple for the redemption of Israel. And when the messenger comes and says it's now going to happen, he doubts. You see, Zechariah had his eyes on his problem. And that was his old age and the age of his wife. And you know what? We can't think about the greatness of God and how great our problems are at the same time. One is going to take precedence over the other. And here's what happens. We become so focused on our problems at times in our lives that we can't hold on to and hear God's promises. And then we fail to believe God's power because our problems have taken over in our minds and in our sight. And like Zechariah, we could be the most righteous person playing in the praying in the most holy of places, going about our acts of worship, and still not believe the promises of God. Now, to paraphrase Gabriel's rebuke, he basically says, listen, do you know who I am? Don't you know who I am? You know, don't you know who I work for? You want a sign? I'll tell you what. Since you question God's word, I'm going to close your mouth until the whole promise is fulfilled and your son is born. So the result, Zechariah is stricken, he cannot speak, and ultimately his wife Elizabeth conceives and delivers a son. 
So God, God's messenger comes to God's minister, and this is what we learn out of the whole process. We learn about God's mercy. Because of God's mercy, God has sent salvation to his people. Well, after John was born, God opens up Zechariah's mouth again. And the first thing that Zechariah says, he begins to utter the praises and blessings of God. And picking up again in Luke chapter 1, verse 67, it says, Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Journey from Genesis chapter 3, the entire Bible is about God saving and restoring a relationship with his people. It has one continuous theme, one, one strand of story that goes through it all, and it's about pointing us to the Messiah, God's Son. That was his plan, and that is his plan. And now God is ready to bring his Messiah into the world. He's ready to come to us, and to get things ready, he sends John ahead of time. So God's mercy is seen in John the prophet, John the Baptist, as he leads the way for the salvation. Reading again from Luke 1, verse 76, it says, You, my child, referring to John, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven. You know, John's, his role in life, his purpose as a prophet is to kind of soften the ground, to till it up a little bit, to, to get it, get the soil of Israel's heart ready. And John later makes it very known. He says, I'm not the Savior. I'm just pointing to the Savior like a giant index finger saying, that's the Messiah, not me. He points us to Jesus. And the result of that salvation, when Zechariah's mouth is open and he begins to praise, he describes how that salvation affects us as people. Because he tells us that salvation is ultimately personal and it's spiritual. It's not about throwing off the chains of, of an oppressive army or an, an occupying nation. It's about forgiveness of sins. And he tells us that salvation brings light into the darkness. Verse 78 of Luke 1 says again that the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in, living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide us, to guide our feet into the path of peace. You see, the coming of salvation, the coming of, sal of the Savior, it brings to each of us peace. Jesus brings the peace of God. He, he restores peace within humanity and peace within our hearts. Well, here's the message that I hope you can take home today. It's a message from Gabriel to Zechariah, but ultimately to us as well, well, in that even when it feels like God is far off, we can still trust that he's working. God is always at work, and he's carrying out his plans. Why? Because God is faithful to his word. 
I mean, there was 400 silent years before God spoke again, and he still fulfilled his plan. And right now, you might feel like you're in a silent period in your life, and you're just not hearing from God, and you're reading Scripture, and it just feels like a dry, dusty book. But keep at it, because we will face disappointments like Zechariah, but keep on serving faithfully. There will be times where we honestly doubt, you know, we doubt the promises, we, we doubt things about God. Well, when those times come, take your eyes off the problems and raise them up to your Savior. And there's one thing that we can hold on to, and that's God's mercy that's shown to us. Now, God might feel like he's far off, but, but don't trust your feelings. He's never left. He's still here. He's still working. And he's still carrying out his plans. And he's still doing a work in you. I'm going to ask the praise team to come back up this morning. And as they do, if we fast forward in time a little bit, Jesus is wrapping up his earthly ministry. He spent time with his disciples for around three years, and, and his time with them is coming to a close. And we read about in John chapter 14 some of his final words to his disciples. And as we read them, Jesus is really echoing the message of Gabriel in Luke chapter 1. Here's Jesus' words to his disciples and ultimately to us. He says, peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Sounds a lot like Gabriel's message, doesn't it? So, Journey, let me just encourage you to rest in the message of Scripture this morning. The message of the angel Gabriel to the world, rest in the message of Christmas. And we can praise the Lord because He has come to you. He brings salvation. He brings forgiveness. He brings the mercy of God. He shines His light and overpowers the darkness of our sin. He brings to us and to you the peace that only God can bring. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the message of Christmas today. We thank you that you sent your servant Gabriel to us so long ago to remind us the peace that, that the Messiah brings. So, Father, today may we embrace this message of Easter. May we embrace who you are and what you are doing in our life. And, Lord, help us to keep our eyes fixed upon you. And we pray this in your name.